Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast. Episode 47 Excel Porn. Other than that, I think we're good. Uh, I'm not going to do a cold open because uh, none of you are really used to that except for Mike. And this is about none of you are funny. And the cold (laughs) open is for when we're being funny. And this is one we're trying to emulate schemes and stones. So, <laughs> hello, welcome to Scheme Powered Scoundrels. I'm your host, Cal Bodie. <laughs> Cal Yodi on the forums. <laughs> Brian's dying inside over there. Uh, Hi, Victoria. What's up? No comment. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good opening. Hey, yeah, this is Steam Powered Scoundrels. I'm your host, Doug. And with me are a bunch of bearded dudes, mostly with glasses. It really is. It's it's a nerd fest out it's here. Overwhelming. Like if Kyle and Matt from Weird Games popped in here right now, no one would, no one would probably even notice. You'd blend in. Yeah, it's it's nerd camouflage. Uh, but <laughs> we're 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 having a bit of a serious talk now. Talk about numbers and and statistics and all that fun stuff. Uh, which is why we got a bunch of nerds on here, obviously, because nerds like talking about numbers and stuff or something but it tracks the man able to make this happen the great wonderful reed perkins please say hello hello uh yeah tell us a little about yourself sure uh so in in, on the forums and on discord uh i'm the jack of apples uh i have professional certifications saying that i can do numbers very well and i do numbers (laughs) so well that i sometimes even do them for fun as a hobby so uh here i am with uh, a bunch of numbers because when I started kind of playing Malifaux on on Vasselmore and playing with the Malifaux World Series, uh, I noticed there there wasn't a lot of compiling of the numbers during the events. And so that was a niche that I saw I could fill, and a bunch of people started asking me questions about the numbers that I was gathering. And so I started putting them into spreadsheets because, again, the, the level of number nerd I am, I do make spreadsheets for fun. So, just to, to lay that baseline there. Uh, and so here, I have spreadsheets full of numbers to help us understand the... Um, at time of recording, all of my information is up to date as of yesterday. I have 692 master-slash-scheme-slash-point scores, so half of that number of games. Uh, that of all... Everything we're talking about is post- the Malifaux Burns release. All of it has happened this year, uh, and I'm really excited to be here to share it with you. Yeah. Did we mention this is all from the Vassal League? Yeah. Uh, so all of these games have been played online. All of them have been played on Vassal. Uh, it, it's spanning several different events that the Malifaux World Series has done. Uh, there was the the six-round event to start the year that had no special rule restrictions uh, the, the second event of the year was a four round event that was, uh, Iron Scorpius. So you can only play a master once. Uh, and then we're in the middle of the third event of the year, which is a light keyword locked event. Uh, you're only allowed to bring 15 out of keyword and versatile model. So those three events combined plus a handful of other vassal matches that have been played but all of these are online matches all right so no excuse not to go to turn five right 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, we have other people on this cast. Might as well actually introduce them after we get the important people out of the way, right? Uh, well, first up, we got Mike from England. English Mike. Hi, I'm Mike, also known as Mike. Okay, after him, <laughs> I, I'm just going down from the order I see on Squadcast. So. Uh, Cole is, is is right below him. I'm on my screen. I'm Cole. I'm on the forums and Discord and all that good stuff. It's CBTB and a bunch of numbers no one ever reads. Well, now you've challenged me, sir. Now I've got to go. Be- because and- I'm also a nerd, it's just the Fibonacci sequence. So. Oh, well, for those of you that don't know, it's CBTB 11235813. Yeah. So not the entire Fibonacci sequence. Well, no, that'd be remarkably difficult. <laughs> uh, and bringing up the the rear, I guess, is Brian from another podcast. Um, I, I don't exist. I'm not a real person. Uh, it's uh, it's just, Kyle created a secondary like AI um, that does the so-called Brian's part. Um, that is I. Man, and he made that AI play Outcast rough. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. It's real bad. We're gonna look at all of these numbers for outcasts. Like all of the losses are just me. I, it's just me. It's real bad. That's 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 a lot of effort on your part, Brian. Thank you. Oh no, this is like me trying my damnedest to not be bad at this game. So I mean, you're ba- you're more or less a figment of Kyle's imagination. So the ability to actually play that many games while also no- doing normal Kyle stuff is impressive. Oh yes, of course, yes. We're getting off on one hell of a tangent, but that's what we do here. Is, that's gonna, the that's the point of this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna change the through line and the, the the subtitle of literally everything to we go off on tangents, um, just to get people prepared for that. Oh, but okay, we've got numbers. Uh, Reed, just give, just give us a quick overview of, of the first thing we're looking at. Just the general information people might want to know about. Uh, sure. So, the- I mean, top, top line, how are the factions performing? Uh, and again, this is all post-Malifaux burns. Uh, so some, some things to jump off with. Um, our most played faction so far is Arcanists. Uh, we have 104 Arcanist matches have been played. Our least played faction is Outcasts, so so Brian doing his part there and trying to bring that number up. Uh, we have 72 matches that have been played under Outcast, uh, and everybody else is between 72 and 104. Uh, and our, our two top-performing factions, by, by a fair margin, uh, our two top-performing factions uh, in terms of winning percentage are Outcasts and Rezzers. Uh, outcasts has about a 63% win percentage. Rezzers had about a 65%. Uh, I, I do want to note, for Brian's sake, that with that <laughs> outcast win percentage, so the the Malifaux World Series runner-up last oh, yeah. year uh, has has run outcasts uh, since the start of the year, and the World Series winner last year has dabbled in outcasts a little bit. So, oh, so we oh, certainly I know. have two... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's uh, a couple heavyweight players who switched into Outcast, and that's elevating the um, mm-hmm. the quality. Uh, and then I'm there, uh, <laughs> which is barreling out the the bottom. Sure. And then uh, we we really have one faction that's sitting at the bottom, uh, and that is that is Neverborn with about a 36 percent win rate uh, in. In, in 98 games, that faction has 32 wins. Uh, 
That's rough. Um, and <laughs> if if we look at uh, if we look at the the points, they both the Neverborn scores the least, uh, averaging four point one victory points per game, and allows the most, allowing five point oh nine victory points per game. Uh, so Neverborn far and away having the roughest time of things so far. Just looking year. at the number there, Marcus Two, best master, has zero wins. Oh, maybe I I'm mm, sorry. That, that should be, be three. Right. That can't be right. That's <laughs> there we go. Fixed. Fixed. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Six that wins. No, ties. Uh, Primo, Mar- best master. Uh, it is it is hard to find a Neverborn master uh, with a winning record, and this this. Nakima two seeing ten games and zero wins uh, is is honestly impressive at this point. Um, oh, gross! And and we'll we'll talk about him a little bit more later. But Neverborn might be getting a bump. A a player is playing him uh, in this round in in this tournament. And previously, uh, Euripides one was winless on the year, and Euripides one now has two wins because this other player has played him two times uh and he's also tripled yuri one's scheme total on the year um in in set in seven games yuri one had scored a total of three scheme points uh and 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 now in nine games yuri one has scored nine scheme points so and and we should i i I do want to note when i talk about you know only having seen seven games from a master is not necessarily definitive one way or the other. And there are times you're going to be working with some small numbers. So standard numbers caveat to not take some things too seriously. Although Nikima two having zero wins in 10 games. Okay. We can start to talk about that. Um, similarly, you know, in, in Arcanists, uh, Karis one, uh, three wins, ten losses, and a draw. That's that's a, that's that's getting... a fucking travesty. I, that's as a Karis yeah. main, I cannot believe that. Yeah, that's, that's uh... very surprising because Karis is like quite solid. Um, but Ooh, so, yeah, one, one thing that time. one thing that's also probably a good thing to kind of preface this whole discussion with is like you like you were alluding to, the players matter too. It's not mm-hmm. just you know we're not playing a game where. We, one, have enough data just in general. Like, 300 games sounds like a lot. 400 games sounds like a lot. But you can see individual players kind of tilting entire faction balances. Absolutely. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Or, you know, not, and not just faction balances, but if there's a top-tier player who really likes one specific master, because now we're not... You know, we can talk about outcasts having 72 games, but if we drill down to, like, Tara, who has 10 games... Or, you know, Zip, who has eight games. Like, one player is going to be playing the majority... Uh, I personally, me, am responsible for 100% of Ten Thunder's foundry play on the year. Right. So, so if that, you like, suck, they have zero. But if you're amazing, they're going to win all... Like, like mm-hmm. it, Correct. It's not, it's not just, oh, this is broken or this is not any good. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, all of the conversation today, there are some things to look at here, but uh, nobody should be taking this as definitive proof one way or the other that uh, their favorite master is the best and their least favorite master is the worst uh, until we get to Rezzer's titles. And then we can talk about things <laughs> being <laughs> we can, really, really yeah. problematic. Let's just burn them to the ground. 
Okay, let's take a quick rundown of just this first table here. Okay, let's go through most winningest, uh, top to bottom. He scrolled away. Okay, so first place is Rezzers with about 65% win rate. Then Outcasts. Then a huge frickin' jump down to Explorers at 53. Ten Thunders at 48.5. Then Guild at 47, Arcanists at 47 as well, Bayou at 46, and then a drop. An absolute almost, plummet. Almost 10% drop to, to Neverborn at uh, 36. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's painful. I mean, I, I, I like Neverborn, not in a fluff sense, but in, I like the model sense. It attracts a lot of players to the game, so this is kind of, it kind of hurts to see this. And I just, me, I would just like the numbers to be brought together, brought closer together if at all possible. I think Arcanists, being my main faction, are sitting pretty good, but I think they've always sat pretty good yeah. in this game. They've, at least in third, they've, they've been a, a pretty, again, as an Arcanist player, I'll show my bias. I think they're a pretty balanced faction. I don't think they're, you know, doing anything that no one else in the game can do, but they can win their games. Mm-hmm. And and to to give a little more context on Neverborn, I mean, second most games played, ninety eight games, and there's been a lot more uh, there's been a lot more diversity of master choice in Neverborn compared to the other factions. Uh, Neverborn was by far the first on the year, and might still be the only. I'd have to double check to have played every single title. Uh, and every single master in their faction. Every other faction has oh. somebody missing. Uh, and huh. then Neverborn is also the only faction on the year to record an official game uh, with a henchman master. Uh, we have one <laughs> one Hinamatsu game. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which... So, so I, if we want to be really generous to Neverborn, they are experimenting a lot in comparison to some of the other factions. Uh, and I don't know if that's responsible for their winning percentage. Uh, but they, they have a lot of games played, and it is a big jump from Bayou at 46% win rate down to Neverborn uh, at 36% win rate. Okay, so the uh, best master, worst master list, I'm not going to go over this a whole ton because I'm sure that's where a lot of people have kind of the meat they want to talk about. Uh, one thing that, again, is surprising for me as well is Karis Wen sitting at the worst spot for Arcanists. I recall her always being a very strong pick, and I don't know if this is a case of like I I think we can all agree Vassal Vassal League is kind of leading the meta talk as far as Malifaux goes right now because we're still in a pandemic, um, and that's where most of the games are coming through. So the fact that a master who I thought was solidly top of our faction consistently being beat is very surprising to me. And I'm curious how that happened. The other thing I think I, f- I find super interesting is that Outcasts, being the quote-unquote second-best faction, has a really, really even spread, at least from what we're seeing here, because their best master is actually three masters, all sitting at five games total. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they, they, they've been very spread out. Uh, and, and so those, those three masters, so we have uh, Parker 2... Tara 2 and Zip 2 all have four wins and one loss. Um, and, and it is interesting because Zip 2 in Bayou is not doing well. So it, it is, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about dual faction masters. Uh, but no, Outcast has really spread it around. And, 
that that they are they have a broad base and when we look at winning percentage Rezzers is higher but if we look at average differential Outcast is actually winning their games on average by slightly more than Rezzers is so yeah that that spread out three masters all tied for what you could kind of consider the top there it, it's Outcast is in a really interesting spot, and I don't know whether to judge it by the faction being that good, or whether they have the smallest number of games played, and they have some very strong players in that faction right now. I, one thing that I think is really interesting to look at, and again, the, the first one to look at is the Arcanist, that's what I play. If a year ago, so pre-Burns, you told me Karis was, wor- was our worst master, and Mayfang was our best, I'd have asked what planet you're on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you look at Rezzers, Molly is the worst and Riva 2 is the best. Can you imagine a year ago saying Riva was the best master in Rezzers and that Molly was the worst? So there, there's some some new models that I think have really kind of flipped the faction around, at least at, in this data set. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nekama being the worst, Marcus being the best, Bass tied for best and Lady or for worst, and Lady J being best by a lot, it looks like. Some of those are really interesting. Wong being uh, uh, the best. Uh, yeah, and those uh, I think of those eight Wong games, seven of them are post errata. So he saw <laughs> a, a lot of play once those changes came in. People were very happy with with what they were seeing there. He is literally the only original title in the best column. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Now. I wonder, is that because the titles are better, or because it, it's new and exciting, the people are playing shiny them? The new shiny is the new shiny, yeah. Right. And pe- people haven't learned how to play against them, and people are still wanting to try them out, and the more games they get, the more wins they're going to get, just law of averages. That's probably some of it, and not not to skip over the rest of uh, the best and worst faction, but if we skip, if we look at the next, Bayou actually has the highest percentage of original masters played, Um so ba- Bayou is playing. Bayou is one of only two factions who plays the majority of their games on the originals, as opposed to the titles. So I think that's part of it that Bayou is just still on their originals for whatever reason that is. Um, but yeah, Wong One's getting a lot of play, and some of the other original masters in Bayou are seeing play that just the originals and other factions aren't. Brian, thoughts? I I'm very like outcast guy here i'm very curious on how the hell parker 2 is up there um i know the guy who plays him he's very very strong um because the common consensus amongst outcast players is uh parker 2 is not that good though this um specific player uh azul i think he goes by he has this uh disgusting benny wilcombe rat engine within the parker Mm. list that he builds um, but I, I thought it was interesting, like it, of the best masters, like there are some that f- like make a ton of sense to me. My thing is insane. Lady J Tara, Yan Lo, obviously the, the Reva one like stood out to me as surprising Agreed. because we know, I mean, we know Rezzers have this super deep bench and I just didn't think that, uh, Riva too, who, I mean, I'm, I'm not that good, but she seemed kind of lackluster to me that Riva two was the one that was, um, I, stomping. 
Brian, I'm going to come out here and, and say it for you. Why the hell is this not Yanlo 2 as well? Yeah, yeah thank you. 100%. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, or Stuck. Like, I would have accepted yeah. either mm-hmm. one because both of them are stupid. Um, but yeah, probably Yanlo. Like, yeah, just, you know, right there. Um, and Reva, like, if, if you were to pull the community of, like, put Rezzers 1 through 8 where your masters, like, I'm pretty sure Reva and Molly are the bottom. And we see Reva mm-hmm. is winning, like, very well. So Yeah, and, 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 you know, anytime you're trying to label a best master, it's it's a little weird. Because obviously, Yanlo 2 in Rezzers is doing amazing. Uh, Von Stuck is doing amazing. But I put Reva 2 there because she's undefeated, like, five games, five wins. Uh, she'll probably rack up... A, so, you know, in that case... Have people just found the games to play Riva into? You mm-hmm. know, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it is worth noting that of all the resers, of, of all masters, I, I think Riva might, I, th- I think Riva 2 has the highest number of games and still is undefeated of any master and any title in all of Malifaux. That no, nobody else has five games, at least five games, and is undefeated. I don't That's think anyone insane. else has four games. I don't think anyone else has four games and is undefeated. Uh, but Riva Two is sitting there with five games and five wins. So there she is. It'd be really interesting to look and see. I'm sure we won't do it here. If it's similar pools that those wins are happening at, like, mm-hmm. is there a situation where Riva Two is just uh-huh. unstoppable? Uh, here, watch, watch, watch my screen. Oh Ooh. boy. Ooh. Oh. So, oh we'll go, statistics. We'll go behind the scenes here. Victoria, come look at this man's spreadsheets. This is something <laughs> else. Holy hell. Oh my god. Right. So. You crazy son of a bitch. There is such a thing as called Excel porn. I learned about this. and I, I do this for fun. Um, so oh, one god. game of ley lines, one game of symbols, three games of turf war, three scored six points and, you know, is scoring every point on research mission. But I mean, this isn't that helpful because she's only missed one scheme point in those ten games, like and it's one all, time. It's, it's largely different schemes, other than research mission mm-hmm. that yeah. she's taking. But yeah, nothing. Research mission she's taken three times, but once on let them bleed, twice on hidden martyrs, twice on claim jump, once on bait and switch, and once on assassinate. And in ten games, or in five games, she's scored nine out of ten scheme points, missing one point on bait and switch. Now, if you want to find a spot to be like maybe Reba's not actually that. We see that three of her wins are into Neverborn. Oh, Yuri yeah. 1, Yuri 2, and Nakima 2, who are masters that certainly everywhere else they play are really down. So you could easily make the argument that Riva 2 only looks good because they've played above very weak competition, mm-hmm. as opposed to if we switch over to Rezzer's Yanlo 2. So I mean, he's 11, 4, and 2. Jesus. So. If we switch to Von Stuck, eight, five, and two, like those are much larger pools, and of course they've yeah. had a couple losses in there. But, but you look at the things that the that Von Stuck and Yanlo are playing against, and they, it makes a little more sense, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're fake. Cry, Perdita, Maxine, like they're Nexus. facing heavyweights. Yeah, yeah. So, but I look, I, I can't ask anything more of a master than five games and five wins, so I think it's worth noting that Riva has that. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, Mike, you got anything? You want to run us out here? 
No, I'm just I'm just sitting back and l- loving the the numbers. <laughs> what what surprised you the most? You can go and repeat stuff we've said. I'm just nothing's really surprising me to be honest. Um, I've I've heard a lot about Neverborn not doing too well. Um, it does surprise me seeing Nekima at the bottom though. It doesn't surprise me seeing her taking the most. Um, but most of my games are demo games, bringing people into the uh, into the hobby. And a few people that I've brought in. Uh, have gone on to play these, um, you know, got, got into the World Series, so f- quite a few new players. And I know Arcanists and Neverborn are the most popular for uh, for newer players, certainly. Um, quite a few people liking Neverborn uh, Nekima. She is a I, big lady. So, uh, yeah, Reed mentioned it earlier, and I'm just going to re-emphasize it because I think it's important we know. It's, like, it's 700 games, or 700 data points from more than 350 games <laughs> which is a decent chunk of games but there are so many masters in this game that even when we get to the high point which apparently is Yanlo too he's not even hitting 20 games mm-hmm. on either side um i mean if you count him in 10 thunders and rezzers he's getting more than that but that's because you can take him into two different freaking factions but it, you know, and our best, the best technically is is Rio Two with only five games, so it's still not enough to iron out anomalies. Hundred percent. I'm very curious if Re keeps doing this, what it's going to look like at the end of the year, and that might be a little bit more solid, especially since when we're all used to title masters at that point and the surprise is gone as long as whatever we get from weird at gen con hopefully doesn't shake things up too much and gg3 theoretically whenever Whenever it arrives um because i i know there's i've seen a lot of talk and i i wouldn't say complaint but bemoaning of like symbols and how it it becomes very solvable of the you you know like your faction or keyword has like the two models that are super good at symbols so you just always hire them and then bring a kill squad and that's the way you play the game and when you know a quarter of if if people are viewing a quarter of all games they play theoretically as solved like that creates a very like skewing game result because the people if there are people who are like very very practiced with it well then they're they're just going to win more in that certain set and for some reason a lot of our events like symbol seems to pop up a little more frequently than others it feels like well at least if we're talking about my events specifically the thing is i tend to avoid the uh five point strategies mm-hmm. i only like to have one because it's kind of similar not fully, yep. but that's that's my reasoning. But if if I'm being honest, GG2 has been one of the better gaining grounds we've had in a while, and I think it's had longer legs than the previous two versions, and so I feel like it's not as important to get the third one out, but also we also have three iterations people can go through and they can always go back and do old ones. But I've really, really liked this one. The the lack of mm-hmm. emphasis on killing has made a lot more models viable, in my opinion. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about numbers and, and stuff. So well, let's let's move on, Reed. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep talking. Sure. 
so kind of the, the next thing we're looking at then is what factions are and aren't playing titles. Uh, and so just purely, as I mentioned in the last one, this is a more compact group, but Bayou is playing the most originals at about 56%. Uh, 43 of Bayou's 77 games are, are on the originals, only 34 are on titles. Uh, and then the, the faction, um, this actually, for a while, I thought it, it was Guild for a little while, and Rezzers has now passed them. But in terms of the highest percentage on titles, uh, it is Rezzers of their 83 games, 64 are on titles. Uh, very close to Guild. Of their of guilds, eighty games, sixty one are on titles. So uh, those two factions, by far, have leaned in the most to titles. Uh, Bayou and Explorers are the only two that still have a major- a straight majority of their games on the originals. Okay, um, let's, let's go reverse order. Mike, thoughts? Uh. I don't know, to be honest. That <laughs> skipped me. <laughs> okay, we'll come back to you. Brian is technically next. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense for, like, I think the big one, like, Arcanists, I feel like, got a ton out of uh, burning. Rezzers obviously had this massive spike, um, which m- makes a lot of sense to me. I thought Guild being low feels weird to me. Because new Sonya seems good, new um, Bashel seems great. It's like some of those just feel weird. Like I think you're reading this backwards. Yeah. Oh, am I? Guild Guild has overwhelmingly more titles yeah. than original this games. Percent OG. This... Oh, I am reading this backwards. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm not editing that out. <laughs> hey, okay. This is forever, I've Brian. Never, I've never claimed to be good at math. And this is why I'm in the banking field, clearly. Um, Yikes. Uh, right, I think so now that you're my, them correctly, my what do you think? Yeah, uh, I think my comment stands on Rezzers, though. Like, that makes a lot of sense, that Rezzers are just dominating their... Yeah, there it is. Thank you. I, pre- I appreciate that. Um, I, I need to, like, see the math to truly understand the math. Um... I think it makes sense that Rezzers are like crushing it because Rezzers got so much out of Malfo Burns, like an ungodly amount of stuff. Uh, so makes a lot of sense to me. And and this did change. I I think after somewhere during the previous tournament, I ran these numbers, and and Guild was the highest percent title, and so Rezzers has passed them relatively recently on the year. <laughs> okay, uh, Cole. So, yeah, like like what Brian was saying, some of these really aren't surprising. Like if if you if before looking at these you'd ask me who do I think gained the most from Burns, I would have said Guild, and I think this kind of reinforces that mm-hmm. because man, they just got some heavyweights in Burns, and they weren't doing great before that. So I still think they gained the most in terms of where they were to where they are. But man, Rezzers just got some monsters. Like, they were good before, but holy shit, now. And then, yeah, like, Arcanist, like, I still play a lot of Karis 1, but that's more me than, than the, you know, anything else. We got Hoffman 2, we got May 2, we got Marcus 2. Those are some real 
reasons to go titles. And, you know, it, it's new shiny. I'm not surprised that most factions are playing mostly new stuff because it's new. Um, explorers, they, you know, explorers are explorers. I'm not crazy surprised to see them playing the old stuff too. Bayou's really the only one where I'm like, hi, I wonder why they're sticking to the old stuff. What did they not get in Burns that they wanted? Yeah, I, I thought that was weird as well because I've really only seen Ophelia. I, you know, like, I don't play against Bayou a ton, but the the times I have, it's always been Ophelia, title Ophelia. She's really good. I'm like, just play her and you're fine, everyone. <laughs> so that is kind of funny. Apparently, play one, some, you'll be fine. And, and there's some Bayou that are really... Uh, there, there are two um, Bayou originals that have seen zero play the entire year. So uh, both... Uh, Brewmaster 1 and Somer 1 have zero games. So this whole 56% is only six of their originals compared to all of their titles. So I I don't... But so Bayou is the weird one to me, too. Someone out there is just playing a whole lot of Wong 1 and pulling up the numbers on both Best Master and title percentage. Yeah. Yep. Well, and, and I suppose when you fi- if you look at their their OG set, like Zareda is one of those and even with what two rounds of nerfs technically hit in her between like scoring um and how the obeys work and then like her, actually Arati, you know, nerfing her card, she's still like always going to just be a reliable solid pick. So, if you're not sure about your titles i'll just play zareda you'll probably like you have a 50 50 shot at winning that game most likely she's really good Mm -hmm. um and if you've already been playing her a ton it's just like the back pocket pick i feel like zip one for a lot of people is is there you know i this is a safe pick too oh yeah i'd be curious how much of that zip one Mm -hmm. uh zip one is 12 games of of the 43 played on originals 12 of them are zip one. So over a quarter, so more than his yeah. weight. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mikey, come up with anything? Yeah, just looking at outcasts again. Uh, surprised, I'm not surprised to see titles taking over a bit. That's that's fine. Um, Tara 2. Uh, I'd be interested to see how many of those games hired 33, though. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I we'll, we'll just assume every single yeah. one. Uh, I I I have someone pushing me on Vassal to. Uh, he wants me to just to bring Talos and thirty three in every Outcast list, and just see what happens. Uh, which I'm I'm tempted to start doing now because I think it it needs to prove a point that thirty three is probably too good, in or out of keyword. Yeah, that doesn't sound terrible. It's, like that could probably do some work. Yeah. The one thing I question, though, is that is 33 too good in Justice? Uh, it's it's pretty good. Um, I actually just played this against Kyle uh, last week or so, and it was a little wonky because we were doing, like, GG0 stuff, whatever. But since Justice controls the Unbury... Or, no, I'm sorry. Um... This is justice on her own and her berry, but you still have all of these ways to attack what 
gets buried by 33. That's more like it's a little activation controly where 33 buries something, but then it's just dead because either Jay kills it or like someone else does. Like it, it, you're just locking a model off the table and then it spits out and gets, you know, dunked on by half her crew. So I think, you know, it's not as good as in Terra, but it's still really, really strong. And if there's a question of like, should models, should the dual keyword models be equally good in both their keywords? We've clearly seen that that's not something that was a priority when they designed these models, because there's multiple models that are clearly better. Like they were designed for a keyword and the other was like, oh, we slapped that on there. So this might just, just salty about August. Oh yeah, yeah, but like I, I'm not even going to like direct. Like I won't even. I couldn't even mention August, and that point still stands. Yeah, you know, I, the, this podcast requires a, a joke every once in yes, a while. Yes, but Otherwise, yes, August I, I would die, be the prime the the prime example of this. And thirty three might. I think Deacon Heathcrest takes that that crown for the record. For being great in, for being fantastic with Karis too, and just kind of eh, oh, everywhere sure. else. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't. I could. I was gonna say I can't actually tell you what the second keyword is. I know it's Karis, and I <laughs> didn't think of Riva, the only yeah. other fire master in the game. Is, um, that, is that mostly because Riva is the one removing her own pyres? I. Uh, it, it's, be- it's because Karis 2 builds in suits, and everything interesting on his card is involving a suit that you yeah, can't stone uh, for. Yeah. But anyway, well, I don't think that's the point of this podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll Digressions run- are always the point of a podcast. <laughs> I'll run through the numbers real quick, again, for obviously the faction with the most original title, or non-titled masters. Uh, we have Bayou at 56%. Then Explorers at 53. Then a pretty significant jump down to Neverborn at 42. Outcasts at 39. Ten Thunders at 37. Arcanists at 35. And another big jump down to uh, Guild uh, 24 and Rezzers at 23. And I don't think I really have a ton of things to add to this. Most of y'all covered everything. I one to I hundred percent agree that well uh Rezzers and Guild are both bringing primarily title masters. I feel they're for different reasons. One guild needing these title masters to bump up their competitability and Rezzers having just all the fun toys handed to them. <laughs> Not salty. Uh that's subjective. Um and then the, the Bayou Explorers thing, the, my best guess with Bayou is, one, the old standbys concept is like, these are good, I know they're going to work, and maybe it's just the Bayou mentality of Bayou players? Could be. They're weird, Is man. my guess. And my, the reasoning for Explorer Society is because it's still freaking new, and a lot of these people are still learning these keywords. They don't have them down pat, might as well not toss in a brand new master you gotta learn. Um, at least that's my guess with them. Uh, I think Explorers, it's also important to remember that they came out later than everything. And whether they're you think they they came out busted kind of isn't the point, but they were designed after 3E had kind of settled a little bit. So it makes sense that the difference between 
Explorers originals and titles is going to be a little bit less than everything else and their titles because there was more time between the originals and their titles for everything but Explorers. All right, are we moving on? Uh, so next up, we're going to talk about dual faction masters to to just to look at are they being played more in one faction or are all of their wins coming from one faction? Uh, and so of the of the twelve dual faction masters, there are three who seem to be pretty darn balanced in both. Uh, Yan Lo seems to be pretty well balanced between Ten T between Ten Thunders and Rezzers. They're almost it's almost a straight. 50-50 split on both games and wins. Uh, McCabe is also about even between Explorers and Ten Thunders, and Zareda is about even between Bayou and Neverborn. Uh, the ones that are a little different, I'll run through them quickly. Uh, Hoffman has all, many more of their wins are coming in Guild, although they're played about evenly. Uh, Marcus is being played much, much more heavily in Arcanists. Uh, Marcus has 26 Arcanist games, and Marcus has five Neverborn games. Uh, and I will tell you that most of those 26 uh, Marcus Arcanists games, which is always a fun thing to say quickly, <laughs> uh, most of those are Marcus 2, and we can talk a little bit about um, the the bias from playing on Vassal. Uh, you might get a little more in terms of concealing and dense terrain and severe terrain around the map that you might not put up on a physical board and obviously all the, the more terrain on the board the happier Marcus 2 is but there's still a huge difference between him again 26 games in Arcanists only 5 in Neverborn uh, Lucius uh, Lucius is seeing much more play in Neverborn, uh, 18 games in Neverborn versus 5 in Guild, uh, although their win rate in Neverborn is bad, and in Guild is about 50-50. Uh, Mei Fang, 18 games in Arcanists, 2 in 10 Thunders, and it, both of those are me. Those two losses, <laughs> all, all of them. I am responsible for 100% of Foundry 10 Thunders losses. Well, and, and games. And, and, and games. Uh, one of each. Oh, okay. Just to, to truly spread that out. Uh, so yeah, eight, 18 games for Mei Fang in Arcanist, where she's doing well. Uh, Bass. Uh, Bass between Explorers and Guild is relatively even uh, in terms of games played, but has a much better win rate in Explorers. Uh, Zip between Bayou and Outcasts. Similar games taken, but is winning in Outcasts, whereas they aren't in Bayou. And then Jackdaw, similar number of games played between Outcasts and Rezzers, but is winning much more in Rezzers than they are in Outcasts. I can't imagine and why. Those are your 12 dual faction masters. <laughs> okay, I would... Oh, jeez. Uh, first up, I'm, I'm calling it now, uh, Yanlo 2 might be a problem. <laughs> oh, he, he might be. I, I, hey, hey, his win rate is only math. I, I'm sure I'm reading this wrong. Sixty-eight percent and sixty. I'm, I'm. I, this is probably one of those. My math is bad. I'm not reading the table right. Um, sixty-eight percent across. Sixty-four well, percent across two factions. Like that. That's got to be wrong. I'm reading that incorrectly. I'm sure. You're, you're only reading that wrong a little bit, only because that's for all 
of Ancestor and Retainer, that's not just Yanlo 2. It's actually higher if you take out Yanlo 1. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Cool. Um, that, yeah, no, show let's, it. let's look at let's look let's, at it. Let's let's feel that pain. I, I want right. to see this. So here, so all of Yanlo is 22, 11, and four. 22. Just Yanlo two is 21, nine, and four. So again, almost Wait. all of those games. It's only three games on Yanlo one. Mm-hmm. But, and only one. <laughs> yeah. But the, yeah, only three games on Yanlo 1, but that's it, two losses for Rezzers, which it's, there are not many. It's so, 50% techni- of his losses, though. Yeah. It, it is. <laughs> it's it's a decent number. So, yeah, the Yanlo 2 across all factions, 21 wins, 9 losses, 4 ties, is averaging 5.47 victory points per game and only allowing 4.12. He's averaging more than three strat points a game across all factions. Uh, and and once once we get to 34 games played, that's starting to be a meaningful number. We're not talking about, you know, somebody down at, you know, at Riva 2 at five games. 34 games averaging more than three strat points a game is something. And that's across. And, and again, he's seems to be pretty evenly both taken and winning in both factions. So... There's there's your Yan Lo numbers. Disgusting. He, he might be a problem. It's an even spread of uh, of opponents as well. It's not even like he's just beating up on one particular faction. No, he beats up everyone because no, he's that's, that's fucking a rainbow, insane. Man. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay, let's 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 stop. I, I I don't want to to be making myself sad. So let's <laughs> just move on. So I, so, I, I am making a face at, uh, at Marcus. Weird is. Uh, now aware of this information, so let's just let them do their thing. Um, I was honestly, I felt like Marcus was going to be taken a lot more often in Neverborn. Uh, even just with that stat up there, with Neverborn seemingly having a, a kind of a difficult time with winning, they would use all everything at their disposal, and mm-hmm. obviously the Broken Arcanist Master would be one of those. Um, but the thing I think was more surprising is Hoffman. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that that's what was, I want to talk about. That was weird to me. I, I don't believe this. I believe yeah. you screwed up somewhere well, in your well, statistics. And I cannot. Like for me, like the 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 question of I, I I think the Marcus question directly plays into why this the Hoffman is so confusing. Like in my mind, I'm like oh, wh- why Marcus is getting played Arcanists instead? Like, if you want to solo Marcus, you're just going to declare Arcanists because you're out of faction, like, you're like, versatiles are probably better, and your upgrades are better, so you're safer in, the upgrades. S- safer in Arcanists. So, thinking in Guild, I'm like, yeah, I mean, Guild is better upgrades than, or uh, Ar- Arcanists have better upgrades than Guild, by far. And uh, the vers- construct versatiles. I, I say, like the yeah, versatiles for Hoffman specifically are way better, in right, my opinion. Exactly. So you you would naturally think the 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 Arcanist Hoffman would just be stomping, and it's not. It's just I I don't that can't be right. <laughs> yep. And and I will tell you that this actually, if if we split it, uh, so I mean those those numbers are both versions. If we look at just Hoffman 2, Hoffman 2 across both factions is 5, 9, and 1. Which um, also which doesn't make is, sense to me. Nope. 
I and and that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm one of the losses that Hoffman has. Like <laughs> that that one right there is me. Like I played Hoffman two in Guild. It was a like hard match. So I I don't know what is going on with Hoffman two. And it has certainly been one of the confusing things for me. Much fewer games on Hoffman one exist. But no, I that's, yeah, that's, that's where that's... they're at. It's super have people weird. had more practice against Hoffman now? Because he was one of the ones people yeah. were touting as completely broken at the start. That, that could be it. Uh, because if you don't tech hard against armor, it's going to be difficult, I think. And people are just now really realizing what their way to deal with it is. Mm-hmm. It's not always um, anti-armor, but sometimes it is. I My one guess, and this is not necessarily the most well-thought-out one, is there was a decent chunk of marker removal in Malifo Burns. I didn't think it would be enough to completely sway these, like, mm-hmm. uh, terrain, the, the marker-type masters, but may, maybe maybe they're, they're act- it's actually affecting it. It would ex- kind of explain why maybe Karis was doing so poorly, and maybe why Marcus II isn't doing as hot as we thought he would. Yeah. Yeah. Can't say you're right, but that makes sense. Yeah, I was more worried about, like, Ironsides 1, but I'm always more worried about Ironsides Well, I, yeah, I think she's hurting more than Karis or Hoffman are. Yeah! But that's a discussion for a different day, I think. At least, at least she's got a title, otherwise she'd be royally fucked. Yeah. No, I, I think it's super weird, because, like, the 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 common, you know, groupthink consensus is Marcus is better in Neverborn, because all of his keyword stuff you want, or all the stuff in Arcanist that you want is in his keyword. So go over to Neverborn and get the cool niche beast that you don't have access to otherwise. Uh-huh. And then in Marcus, or in Hoffman, you have Soulstone Cash, Peacekeeper, and all of the versatile constructs you could ever want. So why would you take him in Guild? That's very interesting. You get the Pale Rider! Yeah, sure, that's worth I, it. Just doesn't get, like, <laughs> I don't know. Coat for the Flex. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like, armor armor 3. <laughs> Or, but if it's um, the the no, I know what the Hoffman deal is because Tell we're us. not doing title. We're not doing dual masters. If you're a dual master, you can take him Mayfang Hoffman, and then you just will curb stomp everyone you face. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to try that. That's list. what it is. I haven't yet. Yeah. Uh, it and, is it is cancer. And, it, and if if people like that, that's a fair point. All all of the games that I have data for here are all single master. The next event of the year, the May event, uh, which signups just opened up for. Uh, so if you want to come and put your own numbers in these stats, uh, and you want to you want to r- play a dual master tournament, there's a six round dual master tournament for the Malfo World Series starting in May. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if some of these masters who are not seeing play on their own are taken as second masters, uh, or or what happens in general to some of these numbers. Had a thought. Could, uh, down down the list, Mike. Th- any other thoughts on this? Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, back on marker removal. Really, I thought by Bayou were pretty good at it. I was expecting to see a lot more Bayou, but I suppose everybody's got something now. Well, Arcanists don't, but we have Neil now. We got yeah. Neil. We got you, you can hire in Karis one sometimes. But no, not Donna, in, not she's, in these she's games. terrible. Yeah. 
Um, do, do, do we have to go and look at the Karis one numbers real quick just to help Yeah, let's, let's do yeah, that because that, that's hurting my head real bad. We, we, need, we need help. We're not, we're okay. not doing so well. So here are here's the Karis one numbers. Okay. Um, All of so, her wins are against Thunders. That's bizarre to me. Yeah, that that is weird. She is she's three and zero against Thunders and o ten one against everybody else. Okay, so uh, um, Yanlo Terra five, five break the line six symbols. Break the line six. See, like symbols yeah. and break the line feel like the natural picks for her because. Her stuff yeah. can I mean, she... be really fast. Do, do you record uh, deployment? Uh, I do. Um, I don't have it easily sorted up here. Oh, okay. But it's I would over... want to look through it at some point. Because I'm also curious, because I feel like people don't talk about how deployment may affect your master hiring choice. And it, it does, for sure. Yeah, it does for me especially. Well, because I'm lazy, and if I see Wedge, I pick Harris immediately. Right, uh, yeah, well, it's more, a natural fit. One, two, three. It looks like four games on Wedge, four games on Flank, three games on Standard, and three games on Corner. So oh, fairly yeah, even. evenly spread. Really, really evenly and the, spread. And the, the win, one win on Flank, one win on Standard, and one win on Wedge. So nothing really to draw from there, That's... definitive. Yeah, it, it looks like it looks like she's really struggling scoring hidden martyrs and deathbeds and vendetta. She keeps picking those three, and it and is going poorly for her. Uh, and I mean, not doing a great job scoring breakthrough or spread them out. Those are surprising because that's you know, as a Karis player, those are kind of bread and butter for me. I mean, well, that's, breakthrough yeah, is not like, difficult for her. Deathbeds, no. like a gimme with her. Well, not as much as you think, because unless you're playing Karis 2, and this is specifically looking at Karis 1, you don't always have convenient ways of getting the scheme marker down for the first point. Okay. And it's gotten to the point where if I see deathbeds, that's almost enough reason to bring Hoffman 2. Like, yeah, just that's hard probably swap an easier sell, yeah. That is, that is the closest thing to two free points I've ever seen in a game. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it, is, it is notable, Karis 1, taken taken deathbeds four times and cumulatively has scored one point Yikes. in four games. Wow. So Doug, maybe that's the uh the marker removal coming in. Because the second point should be, you know, fairly trivial to get. The first point can be a little tricky. Maybe that's... this is just like the difference because I like I'm picturing the Vassal League more or less being like top tier. So perhaps the best players in the world have Karis solved. That's an option. I'm not saying I'm the best Karis player. I'm not, but this just doesn't. I don't. I just don't get it. It's crazy. Yeah. I had. I f- figured what I was looking for. I think I have a possible other theory on Hoffman, and Reed had already brought it up actually, and that is the Vassal maps have a lot more severe and concealment on it, and Which, that does not mm-hmm. do good things for a Hoffman crew who's already really slow. True. He hates yeah. severe. And you know that's that's good. the The concealment's going to neuter a lot of Hoffman Two's uh, reliability on putting damage out because he needs to be on a straight flip for that shot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay. Uh, to, to, to call any other? No, really. The 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 Hoffman Marcus thing hurt my head so bad I didn't even look at the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it just isn't that interesting to me. I know that's fair. Then. Uh... I think okay. So we're looking at uh, factions and how each faction is doing at scheming. Uh, so to give a to give a baseline, 
if we take every single game that has been played, on average, you score 2.17 points on schemes. So that's that's everybody, that's every game, averages 2.17. And so if we look at factions, it, it, it mirrors very closely the factions that are and aren't successful. Uh, you have Outcast at the best, they're averaging 2.56 uh, points on schemes, Rezzers 2.42 and then Neverborn down at the bottom, only averaging 1.89. Uh, I've also got here each faction's uh, what the the scheme they take the largest percentage of the time. So uh, Rezzers, if Hidden Martyrs is in the pool, Rezzers takes it 82% of the time. <laughs> that's insane. That yeah. makes sense, but wow, that's... That's I'm so not bad. the least bit surprised research mission is on here so much. Yeah, yeah. and, and, I'm, and oh, look, no. I, I have I have a whole section on research mission because good lord, research mission is a, is is weird. Research mission does not behave like any other scheme, but uh, yeah, plenty of factions like research mission. Uh, Rezzers likes hidden martyrs. Outcast likes hidden martyrs. Guild is the only one that likes vendetta. Bayou likes let them bleed. Everybody else research mission. Least pick. Oh my god. Killis <laughs> taking out flank 2% of the time. 2%. That's one game. One game out of 35 <laughs> times that outflank has been in the pool. One time, Guild took it. But that doesn't surprise me at all, honestly. Yeah, it's really. Like, the, it, in my opinion, that's a bad. The, of the four schemes that aren't outflank, pick a different one. There's got to be a better choice for you. Yep. And Guild, especially, like the kind of cruise guild has you can't afford to send two models out of the game mm-hmm. to go handle that and i i will also add a, a hilarious stat here this the neverborn outflank the, is the least picked for neverborn but i will tell you that one player is responsible for half of all of neverborn's <laughs> outflank let's go turner <laughs> yeah shout uh, out yeah, look he can score it more power to yep. him uh, and I've, I've, I've pulled a couple masters that are, uh, either much more so or much less than the, the rest. Um, I wanted to know that if you take Jackdaw 1 it, across all of his factions, he is scoring, like, just Jackdaw 1. Outcasts and Rezzers combined. Three scheme, uh, on average, three scheme points a game, which is amazing that he's averaging that across both factions. That uh, makes Harris sense one, to me. We're, we're back to she's just she's having such a problem scheming. Uh, all of Arcanists, on average, scores two point scheme points. Karis only scores one point three six per game. That's insane um, to me. Our our lowest our lowest Yuri. in all of <laughs> uh, in all of everything. Yuri less. is scoring less than a point. Um, Holy but, shit! But again. This is this is changing. There is one player uh, who is playing them this tournament who now again. So it was in six games. No, sorry, in seven games, Yuri had scored three points. Now in nine games, Yuri has scored nine because that <laughs> player played today. So that game isn't in this. So oh we'll see if that brings God. Yuri up. But Yuri one cannot score, and here we have Riva two again. Because Riva Two is has only missed one scheme point in five games, uh, but other notables: uh, Nexus Two scoring on average three scheme points a game. Uh, Pandora One 
as much as Neverborn is struggling to do anything, Pandora 1 scores three scheme points a game, uh, and then Parker 2 scoring three scheme points a game. Uh, the the other ver- the second lowest, by the way, I haven't mentioned Ten Thunders a lot, which is my faction, but uh, Asami 2 is only scoring one scheme, on average, one scheme point a game. Oof. Ow. It's, uh, that's, 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 that's bad. It's it's real bad, and I will tell you that Ten Thunders players, we are we are trying to figure out how we can make Asami two work because she feels like she has something there that's got to be able to work, but I, I nobody has put it together yet. It feels like a pre buff Reva one is the impression I'm get, getting. Like there's stuff there, it's just not working together like it's supposed to. Uh, and then the the one other. Side note I have here is, so again, we're small numbers. Molly 1 only has three games, and she has only one win and two losses in those three games, but she's also scoring, on average, three scheme points a game. And losing. So, <laughs> and losing. Yeah. Has, and losing. Has has only missed three scheme, three scheme points in three games, but has lost two of those games. I mean, Molly 1 has scored 7 points, 5 points, and 5 points, and has lost two of those games. Uh, but again, this is, three games is an extremely small sample yeah. size. But I, I did want to... I, I felt that Molly 1 deserved a little shout-out there, because uh, something's happening with that master. But anyway, that's, that is a, a, a breakdown of scheming by faction. Off my bias, I'm actually surprised people are taking Hidden Mars over uh, Research Mission. But, yeah. Uh, I thought that was, in Outcast especially, um, I, I, I don't <laughs> nice. I don't understand that. Because they're, I don't know, that would, like, Research Mission would be what I gravitate to. I also have crews that are designed very easily to score it. I I actually I think I might have an idea for this, and that is we we talk about meta every once in a while on here, and right now, at least from the people that are very in tune with the Vassal League, is that the meta has decided that this game is still about just kill your opponent, yeah, first and score later, and that is just kind of lends itself to hidden martyrs being very reliable and getting you points. Um, as long as you know you can hide yeah well it's just that like the second hidden martyrs point is so hard to get because right because it you have to have your model in play at the end of the game and engaging an enemy model which that costs more than it right yeah like that's so hard to do and like i don't know i just feel like you're better off taking research mission because you just score two points done one thing I think that's super interesting is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, but every single faction hates Outflank, except Outcast hates Deathbeds. And I wonder why that is. Because um, it's universally Outflank, except I, for Outcast. So I can tell you, I th- well, I think I can tell you why on that. So Outcast does not generate markers. Like, just, like, full stop. So the you can rely theoretically reliably get the first point of deathbeds using mad dogs blow it to hell. But you can only like 
Mad Dog can only put one blow to hell out at a time. So the second point is impossible unless you also have Von Schiel giving out the upgrade, which puts out blow to hell. Likewise, the only other marker that you can like fully control in outcasts is the minefields that Von Schiel can put out. But then you're putting out you're spending master AP to have someone use a bonus action to put a mine some like it's just a Rube Goldberg. Or you play Zip. Or Zip, yeah, but most people play him um, in Bayou, I th- it feels like he's not super common in Outcast. It kind of feels like I don't know, um, but yeah, those are so f- like those are the three the three markers. Whereas in Outflank, while no one likes it, we do have Parker, who, if you're gonna send some models out of the game, at least give them running gun so they can keep influencing you know a quarter yeah. of the board on either side. Sure. So for research mission, are you just relying on your opponent putting down markers then? Well, research mission, I think, is actually quite easy, since you only need one of that extra marker, right? And then three, you are, like, symbols puts out markers for you, idle, not, ley lines has markers for you, and turf war has markers for you, right? So three out of the four strategies just gives you a third of the reveal. So then all you need to do is have one way to get out an additional marker and then, like, kill something. So, like, Mad Dog. Mad Dog is gonna reliably murder something for you, drop death, or drop a blow to hell, and stand next to a turf marker, boom, one point, and you just murder things, because that's really what the game is at this point, is just murder your opponent and then win the game. So, you just drop a bunch of corpse markers out, spread out, drop a scheme marker, blow it to hell, boom, done. And I, I, I don't want to interrupt you too much, but I, there's more, I have more numbers specifically on Research Mission. Yeah! Because Research Mission is an outlier in a lot of ways, uh, for some of the reasons that you're talking about, but I think there's some other things, and again, I don't want to stop that discussion, but there, there's going to be more opportunity to talk about Research Mission here in a second. Yeah. I mm, Talking about Arcanist, because we haven't talked about Arcanist a whole lot yet. Um, I, I always got the impression that Arcanist is relatively good at scheming, and they're actually one of the worst on this list. Yeah, that's that was surprising to me, too. Yeah. Like, I thought the stereotype is, oh, you just bring two swarms and they do all the scheming for you. Easy points. No, no, you just do it with Colette now. Like, Colette just, like... You bring two Colettes? Yes, exactly. Because, well, you bring, f- you bring four, because you have all the doves, which are each its own Colette. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so you get four Colettes to do your scheming with, which, like, should be enough to score you three and a half points on schemes in a game, but I... Man, I wish Roman was here. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I, I do want to add, and this is, this is a bit of a preview for later, but uh, I, I like in Guild, the best schemer is Lady Justice 2 at 2.6... And the worst schemer is Lady Justice One <laughs> at one point five, and that's that's a bit of a pre. I have a little bit more on Guild OGs later on, and that that's a bit of a preview for what's going on in Guild right now. Oh, um, another another little bit of a fun fact here, I guess. Bayou's almost dead even on their scheme offense and scheme defense. 
but they're not like near the center compared to I mean like they're not closer to the fifty uh, percent win average than a bunch of other factions. So they're not doing terribly great. It looks like on the strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say what makes let them bleed so good for Bayou. Yeah. Um, is well, it Wong? It's let's see. This is I mean that that number there is just how often they take it. <laughs> yeah, we don't know they're doing anything with it. They just it. Oh no, they they are. It's oh, their great. best. They're scoring one point yeah. three five points every time they take that, it. It is their huh. best scheme by a reasonable margin. That, wow. Also, they are score. They are taking and scoring. Let them bleed. Because like I, I really like let Both them points? bleed in outcasts. Like that that that's what I assumed would have been our like that a research mission because we have a good beefy models across a wide level of point ranges that can do good damage but you also have high like masters with high damage so you can bring things like just ping things down really reliably i i i have a theory on let them bleed for bayou and i if you want to go back to their faction how how many people playing bayou and playing bayou well are doing brewmaster 2 i'm guessing a lot of them oh uh... Yeah, that's it. Because for the same reason I like it with Karis, Brewmaster 2 should be really good at let them bleed. Yep. The second point is basically free. Everything has poison on it by the end of the game anyway. So and that's that's the second point. Here's here's your numbers. Brewmaster Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. How many times has Brew How many times has title Brewmaster been taken? Uh 9 times. And only one of those nine has let them bleed been in the pool. Oh. And that one time it was in the pool, they didn't he, take it. They scored zero. Or they didn't take it. Okay. okay. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't take uh, it. All right, and so, it was only... so I was wrong. That's not why Bayou likes it, and I have no clue. Yeah, I, I, I thought, I definitely thought you were right with that. Like, oh, that's, I also thought there would be more than nine Brewmaster games, because he's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, I, who is scoring it then? Yeah, who is yeah, scoring it? What the it? fuck? Uh, <laughs> let's see. That'll oh, be great. Because she just poops out damage. Uh, oh, well, crap. One Zareda's scoring it. I guess, guess you can obey Dex. Uh, yes, Ophelia is scoring it. A hundred percent. Three out of three she times, is. and they all scored two points on it. Um, yeah. Huh. Uh, Zip is not scoring it. That makes sense. You don't have big, big damage in Zip, or you do. Uh, it takes a while. Ulix. Ulix has Ulix. a lot of bleeding or a lot of burning. You can't ignore. Yeah, or can't Ulix avoid. Doing... Rather, okay. Um, where's Wong? There's Wong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wong's Why? taking it six out of six times. <laughs> okay. Huh, Wong, has ta- Wong has taken it every single time it has been in the pool. And scored uh, and most s- of the points. And and scored most of the points. <laughs> I love Bayou so much. You guys <laughs> are so weird. Also, as long as we're here, Wong getting 100% of their assassinate points and one and a half on averaging one and a half on Vendetta. Yeah, Wong's just there to kill things. Well, I think it's important to look. He's only taken assassinate once, and that one time he got more yes. points. So Yeah, and, and again, so we, like, we get into those small numbers again. 
Mm-hmm. Like the, the the more you drill down, like if you look at a faction, you got a decent sample size, but then you're looking at a specific master, and then you're looking at a specific scheme. It it is very easy to get out over your skis with with some of these numbers with the sample size that we've got. Can you look up real quick? Because I'm interested, Hoffman two with deathbeds. Because in my opinion, that is the easiest thing in the game to score. I'm curious if that's true. No, man, I just I don't know this game very well. Apparently, I don't know what. <laughs> Detonate. I'm... Oh, hey, look, research mission. Who'd have thunk yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why detonate charges? That is pretty trivial with Hoffman too. Is it? Because because his bonus action moves a pylon and drops a scheme marker, oh, which is what makes right. deathbeds. Yeah. Like you you move a pylon three inches, drop a scheme marker, and then flat for irreducible something to kill it. Yeah. Or you just leave the scheme marker there to, you know, yeah, then you get steam fitters or swarms or like. There's ways to do it for sure. Didn't you hear steam fitters are terrible with Hoffman? Um. Yeah, that's okay. He doesn't need the help. Uh, y'all, can, y'all can be wrong. <laughs> so, tr- tra- transitioning just since since we're kind of there already. Yeah. Uh, just what schemes are and aren't seeing play? We've kind of already hinted at it. Research mission ha- is is taken the most. Research mission is taken sixty two percent of times that it is in the pool, uh, and it is scoring the most. You score one point three six points every time you take research mission. But hold on to those numbers, because we're going to talk about how often you actually get a win with Research Mission in a second here. Um, and then outf- Outflank is by far the worst. Outflank is only taken 10% of the time that it is in the pool. Uh, it is not scoring the worst. Uh, that goes to Detonate Charges. Uh, detonate Charges is only... You only score, on average, 0.9 points uh, every time Detonate Charges is taken. Uh, and it's taken a decent amount. It's taken 42% of the time that it's in the pool. So for scoring the worst, uh, it's taken a decent amount. But in terms of things that score well, research mission averages 1.36 points, assassinate averages 1.2, um, and let them bleed averages 1.23. And that may come back into the, you know, the vassal meta especially is very aggressive meta. It's go kill stuff mm-hmm. to win. So you're going to take schemes that reward that. Like, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I think is very interesting is, personally, I hate hidden barters. I hate letting my opponent's decisions decide how many points I score actively. So seeing that be, by a very narrow margin, not the most popular... It's almost the most popular scheme. It's just barely behind research mission. And, like, personally, I hate taking hidden barters. And it's not reliable. It's... Right. Like... If anything, you have, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven schemes that all have shown to score less than one point when they're taken. Seven out of the, what, 13? 13. About half. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which... Hey, hold on. Claim jump? Claim jump. Yeah. Because it's it's so telegraphed. Uh, but again, if scoring just under one point, yeah. getting getting both points of claim jump is tough. Getting one, mm-hmm. you can yeah, do it. It's very much a, did you win already? Yes. Take that second <laughs> sure. point for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like the, the f- I, I know like the few vassal games, like for the, the World Series, I've, I've taken claim jump. It's in... Games were like my whole goal was to table my opponent, and then 
on turn four and five score schemes and my first point of the strat, right? And that's when I scored like two points on claim jump because my opponent had like one model remaining and it was a totem. What are you going to do? But yeah, the first point is for certain factions, it's super never born. It's really easy to score. Yeah. But so you look at the other ones that are taken infrequently, like outflank. Yeah, that's a terrible scheme. Never take it. Bait and switch. That's a terrible scheme. You probably shouldn't take it. Catch and release. Yeah, that one's arguable depending on your faction and what you got. But like hidden martyrs is way up there. And that surprises me. Vendetta's 50 50. That kind of surprises me. Catch and release, I think, is interesting because you're right. It's one of the smallest percentage taken. It's only taken 28% of the time that it's available, but it's scoring more than, it's scoring 1.09 points on average. And everything else, uh, everything else that's taken less than 40% of the time is all under one. Yeah. So I think that, that well, really states to, there are people who will, like, if you take it, you are prepared to score it. Right. Uh, you you have you, a minion you make that certain can do you have it. that minion. Yeah. Neat. I, I would love to transition into research mission and why yeah, research I'm, mission I'm is a problem. I'm excited for this. I, I want to know. I, I wanted to say one thing, and that this is why I'm not a uh, top player in, in the, in the Malifaux versus because I never really liked bait and switch because it always seemed like, oh, if you manage to deny the first point, you aren't really playing goalie for the second point. So I always felt like that was really reliable because... It's, I always felt like it was really reliable for getting one point. Yeah. Because if you yeah. don't get the first one, your opponent isn't necessarily looking for you to stop the second mm-hmm. one. Which I always get caught out on because I'm dumb. But this is only at a 0.94% uh, point generation, which is the second worst? Yes. O- only only behind detonate charges, which is at a flat 09 Bait and switch, 0.94, second lowest scoring scheme on average. Huh. I can see that. Bait and switch seems to be a, a scheme you go for one point with. Yep. And it, it bait and switch is kind of a weird one where it rewards... Um, if you think you and your opponent aren't getting to turn five, you're only going to get to turn three. Yes. Bait and switch, is, there's a good chance yeah. that happens because they just haven't gotten to your uh, deployment yeah. zone yet. Take it against Nexus. That's, that's why go. I take it a lot. <laughs> right. Like That's not necessarily like a... a a great way you should think about the game, but it does technically work that way, you know? Any other thoughts on the uh, scheme selection here? Oh, I think we want to hear research mission now. Yeah, we're all frothing. This was, and this is the header that, that I gave uh, when, when Doug asked me, like, hey, put together some points that, that you think we could talk about. The point that I labeled was research mission is weird and doesn't behave right. Uh, and what I mean by that is, so if, if we look back up, Research Mission scores the most points. It averages 1.36 points per game. That's really good, right? Like, if you were to say at the start of a game, I'm going to take this scheme and I'm going to, on average, score 1.3. Great, take that mm-hmm. scheme every time. Here's the problem. Research Mission has a losing record. Huh. <laughs> of, of its 151 games... Only 69 of those are wins, 74 are losses, and 8 are ties. To put that in context with the other high-scoring ones, so Let Them Bleed, Let Them Bleed has 164 games, so similar to Research Mission's 151, but Research Mission, 151 games, 69 wins, 
let them bleed, 164 games, 85 wins. Uh, Hidden Martyrs, again, a very high scoring, or uh, Hidden Martyrs, a low scoring scheme, only 0.95 points, but taken very often, uh, is, is about 50 50. Is 74 wins to 70 losses uh, for scoring just under one. So Research Mission scores the most, but just the act of taking Research Mission makes you more likely to lose the game. Uh, and if we break that down, a little bit further, uh, if you score one point on research mission, that has happened 62 times to score just one point on research mission. If you do that, 12 wins, 48 losses. Yikes. Like what? one point, one point on research mission, 12 wins and 48 losses. We compare that to one point on let them bleed, 25 wins, 30 losses. Half. One point on hidden martyrs, Half. 48 wins, 50 losses. So that jump, that research mission at one point is you're you're winning 25% of your games. Sorry, 20%. 20% of your games. 12 out of 62, because there are two ties in there. Um, If you score one point on research mission, you are losing the game. 80% of the time, almost. Yeah. If you score two points on research mission, you are 57 and 10. Yeah, so I, I have, I, I have a theory I, for that. This makes perfect sense. Which, actually. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that that sounds good, but I I, I want to keep that in context. If you score both points on hidden martyrs, twenty wins, one loss. Uh, both points on <laughs> let them bleed, fifty nine wins, eight losses. Yeah, um, just the the act of scoring two points on a scheme. It doesn't matter the scheme. It doesn't matter any of the rest of the context. If you score two points on a scheme. It has happened 200, at least one scheme, at least one scheme in your game has two points. This happened 283 times, only 38 of those are losses. So of those 38 losses, a quarter of them are scoring both points on research mission. Like, research mission is very easy to score, but it is not translating into wins for people who are scoring it. Absolutely not for people who only get one point. And even for people who get two points, it does not win you the game like scoring two points on any other scheme in the game makes you likely to win the game. It it behaves so differently in terms of translating its point value into a win on the table. And and I think there there are a lot of theories that about why that could be, but I just I, I will let other people spitball looking at these numbers about research mission scoring so heavily and, and again, scoring one point on research mission, 12 wins to 48 losses. That is an enormous differential for scoring one point. And for the highest scoring scheme in GG2, it behaves very, very strangely. Because it's just, it, it's, not, it's not letting you deny so my, points, my, is it? From... My guess is the, the, the one point on research mission makes a lot of sense. Because if you can't score the second, that probably means you don't have three models on the board at the end of the game. Yeah. Which probably most of the time means you've lost the game. Whereas, you know, your your odds go up much higher if you score two points and you did have three models on the board. If you look at the other schemes in this category, Let Them Bleed doesn't require you ha- still having models. It requires your opponent being damaged. Hidden Martyrs means you need one specific model on the board. 
But research mission means you need three models alive, and they have to be in the right spot and not off doing something else. Yeah, and and I think that's the 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 first point in research mission is so easy to score even unintentionally, because uh, as as Brian brought up earlier, three of the four strats you've got a center marker just sitting there for you. You have one third of the scheme done. All you need is anything else next to that, and you score it doing other things that you would ordinarily be doing. But that second point is so much harder to do. Uh, and, I, and I think that difference between being able to score one and score two is making this scheme behave very weirdly in terms of easy to score, but not translating that point, that victory point into an actual win. I like it's so easy to score. It never really reflects how you're doing in the game. You could be right. getting your exactly. butt handed to you. And still be able to score that first point of research mission. It's that easy. Yeah. It's just yep, yep. not. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's happening. It's not reflective uh, of the actual game state at that yeah. point. Mm-hmm. My my other thought on it though is uh, hidden martyrs let them bleed is what you want to be doing anyway. Killing, right. denying points, it, denying what the others yeah. doing. Re- research mission. You can do that without denying any points from the other side. Mm-hmm. You're not stopping them from scoring. If anything, research mission, you might be taking Raspi or Keris, for example, dropping markers on your side and making it easier for them to score. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's like you said, one third of it's done for you, but that's not really true. Two, two thirds of it is pretty much done for you because anyone can put down a scheme marker. Right. So you really just yeah. need to figure out how to generate one marker. Which honestly shouldn't be like. If all else fails, you murder something, or you like kill your own model. If you're that <laughs> yeah, desperate, you could die and score. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that second point, man, you got to be in a you got in a spot you on the winning. in the game state, yeah. right? To be yep. able to have three models where you need them, and not necessary to go score the strat or just dead. Okay, are we are we done talking about research mission? I think so. Or maybe, but yeah, it, okay. it's just I I. It, it, it is so bizarre compared to everything else in GG2, and I think exactly what you said. You can score one point while still being at an extremely unfavorable game state, and that makes it weird, but it is taken very, very often. Well, because that first point is basically free for most people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it's You're taking it because then you don't really need to think about it a whole ton. It's like, I'm going to fight. I'm going to get the first point without with maybe, like, spending an action out of what I want to do in the fight to get it. And as long as I win the fight, I get the second point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are at... We're at an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I think this is a relatively good spot to stop because I would want people to hear this recording and maybe send in a bunch of questions and stuff. Yeah! Sure. I like can answer those as well as go over the rest of the data. And then we might also have our own questions uh, to be involved. But this was a lot of fun. Really freaking eye opening, um, and I really hope I I really hope you're going to continue doing this for like the rest of the year because I want to see the end of your results. I'm I'm super super curious to see what happens when you open up hiring a second master. Yeah, because I think that's some some really good data for kind of the international community. What happens when you do it? Is it good? Is it bad? Should the you know the UK meta allow it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
do UK do, players get beaten by them? Do I do yeah. I want to go and I, I I could go in my little spiel about uh, hiring second masters here. That it's, it's your podcast. Go. It's my podcast. <laughs> like we're we're going to see overpowered combinations between hiring and second masters. I don't think anyone's going to say that that's not going to happen. But it needs to happen for Weird to notice it so they can fix it. You can't play a game like, oh, they brought a second master who was broken as heck. There, that's the reason that shouldn't happen. We shouldn't have second masters. That's it's not helping. They obviously want it to happen in the game, and it's relatively easily fixed because they already have the thing that says, hey, if you're the leader, you get this stuff. And that's probably the easiest way they can fix a lot of these broken combinations, but they need to see the broken combinations first for them to be able to fix it. We didn't go around saying, oh, uh, un- unnerfed Colette 1 is broken, we should not allow her to be played. Yeah, or, or you don't see <clears throat> strong henchmen showing up like, well, we just don't allow any henchmen this year, because this one is a problem. I'm just my end of hey this is the end of the podcast instead of signing off I'm just gonna complain just be angry Doug <laughs> that's why I'm here I'm here to apologize on behalf of the Brits uh, uh, we are cowards yes but no you you brought up a good question Doug I think you'll see UK people losing more to double masters because here in the US we just had to deal with it you know Adepticon there were a lot of second masters and it's just something that we've come to yep that's gonna happen how do you how you play against it? Let's learn it. The difference, though, is at Adepticon, they were also running bands. Right. Big, big difference and there. I, because I, I listened to a lot of people talking about Adepticon. I unfortunately wasn't able to go this year. And they were saying that, like, like and these are, you know, Americans who were already more or less fine with double masters, not necessarily people who ran them, but fine with it. And they said that, in in most of them, it seems, in their eyes, if you are going to play a Double Masters format, it has to be coupled with bands. So then your opponent at least has an opportunity to curb the super crazy thing. Now, that benefits, you know, a... a a deeper player knowledge. So if you, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get smoked out of the water by some stupid, crazy, you know, whatever, but that's going to happen. That's the case regardless, but it at least bands gives you a fighting chance. Like if you've heard about that, Mayfang and Hoffman together is oppressively strong. You can ban it just so you know, if you're double mastering and can, ban and you're playing against arcanists you should ban augmented augmented Um, be safe yeah um and yeah i've I've talked to matt and kyle or matt specifically about this like the weird guys love bans and i like i my tournaments going forward are going to be bans because after playing at adepticon it's a great format especially if you're going to allow double masters and what i like about it is it benefits you having a really deep knowledge of the game and deep knowledge of all the factions but if you have no clue what you're doing, it doesn't really hurt you any more than not having bands would have. Right. It, it can only be beneficial exactly. for you. Um, and it it I, I can see the argument that like some factions will get like are hurt more by l- l- getting bands. Like if you have yes. like a singular tech P, like it's not it's not the perfect example, but it's the one I know the best. So in Outcast, if you want the hyper reliable 
armor ignoring piece. You either play Levy or you hire Mad Dog. Like those are real. And technically you have Eric, but that's not reliable. So you have Levy or Mad Dog and either. So like in the band's format, you're either playing Amalgam or Bandit because you're going to lose one of them regardless. So then that forces you Well, they might play armor. I don't have a choice but to play X now. And then, which I can see where that could feel bad, but also, like, you have to accept that factions don't have all the pretty things like Thunders and Rezzers do. So suck it up is kind of where it where it comes <laughs> out at. And I, I, I don't think that, well, I love bands, too. I think after uh, maybe a year of a lot of public dual master play we don't necessarily need that anymore to keep it in check because i feel like a single pass of decent nerfs to the really heavy hitting dual masters pairs is all we really need i guess the question would be is so like and i don't have like an example of you know like so i guess the mayfang hoffman combo is incredibly strong and both title fang and title hoffman we already know are quite good but it's that fusion of them together that makes them like really, really strong, right? That what's the nerf there that doesn't affect their like functionality on their own? Because neither one of them, of my understanding of that combo, neither one of those are leader only abilities. I don't think either one of them have leader only abilities. So you have what a third of the game at least doesn't have leader only abilities, you know, like Von Schiel. Von Schiel doesn't have leader only abilities, but if he's the broken piece of the dual master hiring in Terra, let's say he, you're having him put upgrades on Terra's minions. So you change his upgrade action that it can only target models that cost four or less. Well, now you're, hurting his inherent keyword to fix something that isn't like an inherent problem for him. And that's that slippery, slippery slope that with like, Oh, just nerf it. What I'm referring to the leader only abilities is that to nerf a master, you lock something on their card behind a leader only ability. So create more of them is what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Also like, your example, the May 2, Hoff 2, it's, it's neither of the masters. It's that command construct says non-leader, not non-master. Right. Fixed command construct, and it's not a problem anymore. Yeah. But I, like, anyway. I, I don't know if those would be complete nerf either, but you could possibly lock Hoffman's initial pylon, pylon yep. generation right. behind leader only. Which you probably should be. He can still make them through through bulldogs, yeah. but he's not getting them right off the bat. But anyways, we're getting off on a tangent. Tangents behind tangents. Uh, and and, and um, uh, for disclaimer, this is definitely behind the uh, initial reactions time period. We just learned about this pairing. It seems strong. We haven't had a lot of time for the community to stew on and see if there's easy fixes besides nerfs. But uh, right now it looks good. Really good. Okay. Uh, enough talking. We were ending this podcast. I got off on a tangent. I'm sort of sorry, but uh, this has been a lot of fun. 
Uh, thank you, Reed, especially you, for doing all this for us, doing all this for the community. I hope you keep up the good work, and I hope you get a lot of thank yous from everyone, because you really deserve it. Yeah, man. Um, now, down the list of other people that joined in, thank you all for your opinions and being on. Thank you, Mike, for waking up really, really early. Yeah, no worries. Always good to be. Always good to be with you guys. Yeah. Thank you, Cole, for being the other one in a different time zone. Yeah, man. I got lots and- of opinions sometimes. And thank you, Brian, for being a figment of all of our imaginations. I I try my best. (laughs) And thank you, listener, for for listening. And please send us your questions, uh, your numbers questions for Reed and us to answer and complain about or get excited for. But thanks, and have a good night. Peace out, Cheers. Yep. Oh, fun is always getting the thing. Good night. Bye. Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.